Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Our scripture reading this morning is from John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word of the Lord. Jenny, one of the shorter readings of the year. How'd you, how'd you pull that card? Okay, so today is Trinity Sunday. It happens once a year in the church calendar, and so it's the day that we try to understand how God is Father, Son, and Spirit at the same time and all the time. How God is three and one. How God is one but three. And so uh, I have two goals for today. One, I want to spend a very brief amount of time, as brief as possible, exploring just as, again, as foundational as possible what the doctrine of the Trinity is and what it isn't. But then I want to spend most of our time having a conversation about how the Trinity affects transformation in the context of community. All right. So uh, what is the doctrine of the Trinity? Here it goes. So number one, God is three distinct but not separate persons. God is three distinct but not separate persons. Raise your hand if you're already lost. (laughs) Me too. Okay, good. Someone's not back there. Good. We're, We're all tracking. Good. The kids are right down. That's because you have the kidergy with you, don't you? Uh, I love the kidergy. If you're a kid and you don't have a kidergy in your hand, we will get one to you. Just raise your hand and someone will get one to you. Allie Lee is putting, putting that together, and it's so good. But, okay, number two, each person of the Trinity is co-equally God and necessary for God to be God. Number three, God exists. <laughs> as a mutually indwelling community. God is Father, Son, Spirit at the same time and all the time and has always been this way. So the mystics said it this way. I think you're going to love this. This is a tweetable quote, so get out your phones. 
So, you know, after decades of, you know, the Cappadocian fathers, Gregory of Nyssa, all these really, really smart people, here's essentially what they say. God is not exactly one, but yet perfectly one. Not exactly three, but yet three, two. Got it? Oh, my gosh. So uh, the best metaphor, though, you're going to see how this one breaks down, and it totally does, but it's better than others, is think about an uh, equilateral triangle, okay? So we have side A, side B, side C. It's one triangle, but it has three distinct parts. They are co-equal <laughs> uh, and necessary, but they're not mutually indwelling and they're not personal. So that metaphor breaks down. Triangle isn't very personal unless you're a math major. And you're like, oh my gosh, the equilateral triangle is the best thing that ever happened to me. I promise you. Other metaphors that don't work. Uh, you ever heard of an egg? Oh man, it sounds so good at first, right? Because you get an egg. It's three parts, yolk, white, shell. Yes, that's how to understand the Trinity. The only problem is that's complete heresy. So um, <laughs> here's why. Uh, if you crack an egg and then you hold up the shell, you have a shell. You don't have an egg anymore. You have a shell. Same with the white, same with the yolk. The doctrine of the Trinity says that the spirit is fully God, fully. Father, fully God, fully. Son, fully God, fully. And they're always together at the same time and all time. So they are distinct, but you can't pull one out and say, like, yeah, this is God. Uh, water, you, you know, the water metaphor, it's so it's perfect because water's liquid at times, gas at times, and ice at times. The problem, though, again, is that it, the same water can't be ice and vapor and liquid at the same time. So that breaks down, too. It's also a heresy. So the next time you say, hey, five-year-old, the God, God of the Trinity is just like an egg, we'll burn you at the stake. <laughs> uh, by the way, you know, Luther was considered a heretic for about 500 years, right? And you also know that he firmly believed that the earth was the center of the universe, right? And furthermore, he believed the Bible taught that the earth was the center of the universe. That's just one of our, you know, absolutely most brilliant theologians of all time who was totally wrong. So we got to keep, keep learning, keep growing, right? That was a freebie. Okay, so uh, <laughs> Christians believe, here's the deal about the Trinity. Christians believe that there is one God, but this one God exists as a unity of three persons, a Trinity. Christians believe God doesn't morph from one person to another, nor does God exist as three separate beings, Instead, each person is co-equal, co-powerful, and co-eternal. And while each person is distinct, they're never separate from one another. Okay, lots of questions about that. 
pause on those questions, because they might get answered in this next. So how does the Trinity affect transformation and community? So I think without, without a robust understanding of the relational Trinity, we end up believing in a God who is more of a static or imperial monarch. Yeah? This monarch exists in isolation and basically threatens people to fall in line, right? Um, and there's like, when you start to separate out the Trinity one from another, then you come up with limited atonement theories. Like, have you ever heard um, this theory? Because the Father has, uh, cannot be in the presence of sin, and because of that wrath that the Father has for sin, the Father sent the Son to die for our sins. And when the Father did that, the Son died on the cross alone, and the Father turned the Father's face away. You ever heard that, that atonement theory? Oh, come on. Most of you have heard that atonement theory. And there is a reason for that. It, it, it's trying to explain the perfection of God and the sinfulness of humanity. So it's not wrong, but it is wrong in the sense of the Trinity the doctrine of the Trinity says that the Father, Son, and Spirit are always co-equal and always united and always together. So while we, the, 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 the writers of the Bible had to try to make us understand a perfect God and sinful humanity, so they said what they said about God turning God's face from the Son and God sending God's Son, and even the Bible says that. The reality is when the son was hanging on that cross, according to the doctrine of the Trinity, who also was hanging on that cross? The Father and the Spirit, because they can't be separated. So when God went to the cross, God went to the cross. Amen? Now, now that, oh, right? That kind of, that expands the view of how God loves and who God is. And that comes from a robust doctrine of the Trinity. So now you see how that, that's actually important. It's not just eggs and water. And, because if you separate out, like if God is somehow the boss, remember the Trinity says that Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal. So no one's the boss. No one's in charge in those three. So if no one's in charge, then... God willingly went to the cross for our sins. And that shows God's love for us. So another, another I think, incredible way to understand the Trinity as it relates to our own transformation is what uh, Richard Rohr kind of talks about, the genius of three. So uh, let's do our first all play question. Uh, let's do some free association, okay? When I say the word one as it relates to a person, one person, one person, the principle of one, just finish my sentence. The principle of one is alone. Thank you. Lonely? Thank you. Single. Independent. Say it again. Complete. Say it louder. 
self-sustaining. Okay, the principle of one is good. And it's lonely. And it's independent. And it's complete. And it's self-sustaining. Let's go to the next one. The principle of two is? Companions. Companions. Thanks, Bob. A couple. Thanks, Anthony. Balance. Balance. Thanks, Nick. Difficult. Mitch. Come on, baby. What else? Partnership. Thanks, Kristen. Say it again. Love. Okay. Anything else? Jealousy. Jealousy is in there. And, and just say it again. Competitive. Okay. Like, I was, I was about to throw this grenade into the room. The two-party. Uh, say it again. Balance. Thank you. Bob? The two-party political system. Antagonistic. Messy. Oppositional. Binary. So I agree with everything that's just been said. And I would underscore the principle of two is inherently preferential. You, you are, when you have two choices, you're most likely going to pick one or the other. And you're going to think that the one is right and the other is totally wrong. That's just the nature of the way the mind works. The mind loves to categorize into binary choices. So let's do this. The principle of three is, say it again. Did you say messy? Super messy. I have three boys, three sons, three children. Principle three is? Two on one, overpowered. Yes. Too too much? Yes. Thanks, Anthony. Expansive, Bob. Okay. Okay, stable like a stool. Yes, yes. Stronger. Thanks, Matt. Balanced in a different way. It's not balanced like if I pull this way and you pull that way, like a rubber band. To get together. Is that Will? Mm, I love it. Thank you. Bless you. Community. Compromise. Thanks, Will. The idea of and. Not either or, but and. Thanks, Micah. Um, so here's what Rohr says about the genius of three. The principle of one, and this is, this is simplistic, okay? So all of your answers were really, really good. This is just, you have to say something. Principle of one is lonely. Principle of two is oppositional and moves you toward a preference. But the principle of three is inherently moving, dynamic, and generative. So I want to take us back quickly to uh, the verses. There's three kind of, so you can open up your liturgy and look at the verses that Jenny read. And the first, uh, verses 12 and 13, we read this, and Jesus is talking. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
I love that. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he won't speak on his own, but he'll speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. So I'm going to offer you three questions that are going to act as a structure for um, operating according to the genius of three. So if you have a pen, write them down, put them in your phone. I really think these are helpful. The first question when you're reading a verse like this would be, who is participating? Second question, what is being revealed? Third question, how will we respond? So again, first question, who is participating? Second question, what is being revealed? Third question, how will we respond? This is what I'm going to call the, the Trinitarian process for moving through and away from binary answers and into dynamic, moving, and generative possibilities. So let's just do this, right? So I still have many things to say to you. Verses 12 and 13, you go ahead and look at them. At it. You go ahead and look at them. And I'll ask the first question, who is participating? That's an all play in these verses. Who is participating? Spirit in Christ. Anyone else? The disciples, yes. Anyone else? Everybody who reads it. Okay, so I like that. Spirit's participating. Christ is participating. The disciples are participating, and you are participating. Second question, what's being revealed? This is not a principle of one person speaking, says Jenny. Jesus says something, the Spirit follows it up. Mm. It's not everything. Thank you. There are things that you can only know now because you can't bear anymore, but other things will be revealed to you. I, I think that's one of the most beautiful things that's ever been said in the Scriptures. You don't have it all right now. Can we all just agree on that? We don't have it all figured out. We, there's a continual revealing of truth through the Spirit. And I think that's also like a, you know, depending on what's, who's saying that, you're like, amen. Someone else is like, hey, whoa. Anything else? What is being revealed Something is coming, yes. Allie and then Bob. The spirit is the spirit of truth. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So the spirit is the spirit of the truth or the spirit of Christ. Bob? The whole story. The whole story. Oh, yes. And it's going to come when you're ready. Thank you, Mike. I think that's so great. One of our new elders that are going to start in just a couple of weeks, uh, that there is tension. We can name that. But that the Spirit is there to comfort us and guide us and advocate for us 
to give us what we need when we need it. I think that's great news. And then uh, we're running out of time, but the, the next verse, you could ask the same three questions. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Whoa, whoa. Who's participating? What's being revealed? How? And then the third question, sorry, we, we missed it because I'm looking at the time. How will we respond would be the third question, right? So to this awareness that more is being revealed, the spirit of truth is coming. He will guide us into all truth. How will we respond to that when we have to hold tension? Again, the verse 14, he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You could ask the same three questions. Verse 15, same three questions. All that time the Father, all that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So it's like the, the, the Trinity is not only these co-eternal, co-indwelling, co-equal relationship of the Godhead. God somehow invites us into that relationship where all God has is given to us. That's crazy and good. So God is not a being among other beings. God is beingness itself revealed to us as a relational pattern for everything else, inviting us into that relationship of movement, dynamism, and generativity. The Trinity makes it possible that God is always and forever participating in every aspect of life, calling us in, sending us out. God is not the static imperial monarch threatening us from afar. God is community, mutually indwelling goodness, where there is community without a boss. And I think that's one of the great challenges. So wrapping it up, now what? Like, what do you do with this, with your own transformation? Where do you take this in? And what do you, what, how, how can this change how you think about yourself, other people? Well, these three questions, who is participating, what is being revealed, and how will we respond? You realize you can use those three questions in just a whole lot of scenarios. The next time you read the Bible, any passage. What if you ask the question, who's participating? What's being revealed? How will I respond? The next time you're faced with a difficult relational problem, who's participating? Is it just me and my mind? You ever, you ever been trapped in those internal dialogues where like you just, man, you are so right that you're going to rehearse that rightness so much that you're going to create a reality in which, like, and now you're not even reacting to reality. You're reacting to your version, your construction of reality. And then so the next time you meet with that person, you're mad at them for something that you said in your mind about what they said to you. That's an awkward silence because it's true for all of us. So what if you want to understand more of yourself, more of others, and more of God? Okay, who's participating? What is being revealed? How will we respond? How will I respond? And when you're faced with, like, am I going to choose this or that, for or against, right or wrong, uh, 
consider that there is a third option that you'll only get to by asking those kinds of questions. Who is participating? What is being revealed? And how will we respond? If you want to discern God's voice and direction, don't settle if you have two options. Well, where, where is God leading us? This or that? You'll all, you, you won't hear clearly if it's this or that. There has to be a third option for it to be generative and dynamic. So the doctrine of the Trinity. Interesting, but also very helpful in terms of your own movement towards a more robust understanding of God and others and yourself. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.